everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. All right, guys, so here we are. Uh, we finished up Job yesterday. We're now going into Genesis uh, 12, picking up the story of Abram today. Um, chapter 12 to 15. Yeah. Uh, And actually, like, a really cool way to link these two stories is that we see in the tail end of Genesis 11, uh, this would be Genesis 11, 31, uh, that Abram and his family actually lived in Ur, which is where Job was from. Uh, So the story of Job happens in Ur. Abram lived in Ur. And so that's why we kind of, like, took that little detour. But now here we are uh, moving ahead with Abram moving towards Canaan. Uh, so uh, I see you making a face. Over I feel there. like we read it though too. Like oh, there it's in uh, chapter fifteen, verse seven. It also talks about uh, being from Ur, bringing him out of Ur. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's the that's the connection there. That's why we stopped. We went to Job. We came back. Now we're talking about Abram. Uh, that's the whole idea that Abram and Job may have been contemporaries or like at least aware of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so we pick up at. Uh, Genesis 12. So, Jenny, what's some of the stuff that you noticed reading through this? Um, I noticed in particular when Lot, well, actually, when the whole crew of them are, like, moving into this new this new land, which is... It's Canaan. Okay, Canaan. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they are moving into, like, the promised land eventually. Right. But then they got to move so back. So, and... when they're moving into this land, there's, like... There's too many people. There's not enough space for all of them to be in one same spot. Abram is really well off. He has a lot of people and um, cattle and goats and sheep and stuff. Lot is the same way, so they can't all graze on the same area. It just doesn't work. Um, It was interesting to me that when given the choice of where to go, Lot was like looking around and realized, oh, this place over here looks beautiful. It's lush. It's like full of life, water, all the things he wanted to go that direction. So... Um, it was interesting to me that he went there, and then as we continue to read, it turns out that place, although very beautiful and lush, is full of very wicked people, so much that it said, I believe it was like, um, uh, great sinners against the Lord, very mm-hmm. wicked people. Um, so it was interesting to me that that kind of grass is always greener on the other side of the fence thing was not particularly the case. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. Like, it's full of very wicked well, and that area is, like, consumed by war, apparently, because there's, like, a, a chapter 14 is, like, this lengthy account mm-hmm. of all these different kings and the way that they war against each other and those kinds of mm-hmm. things. Um, well, and what we know eventually will happen to uh, Lot is, like, also very telling. like And Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Lot's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to be continued. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, what you'll see in Genesis 12... Um, this is going to be mirrored later on, I think in like the late thirties, early forties of Genesis. Um, what you see happen is that there is a famine in the area of Canaan. And because of that, um, Abram has to go down to Egypt because Egypt is flourishing and we will see, um, Jacob and his sons do exactly the same thing. Mm. So in a couple of generations, we're going to see, uh, a famine in Canaan. Um, people flee to Egypt. Egypt cares for the people. Uh, that is how we'll end up with um, this generation or the future generation being slaves in Egypt. So there's some parallel stories 
uh, that we see happen that probably just show us like the geography and the, the weather and what things were like. Mm-hmm. Um, but Abram goes down to Egypt. He gets into this tricky situation where he likes to lie about his <laughs> wife. Can't imagine that she was cool with that. Um, it's like super protective of her. <laughs> it's kind of odd. Um, <laughs> you will see this develop as we continue to read Genesis, that one of the favorite sins of these people, uh, meaning like the descendants of Abraham, is deception. There is yeah. a lot of deception that's going to happen in Genesis, huh. and you'll see God moving in people's hearts and lives to bring them out of that. But this Deception is... and also kind of like a little bit of lack of trust in yeah. a way, because... Yeah. You see even in these chapters how Abram is very hesitant about, like, how am I going to keep this moving along if I don't have any heirs myself? Um, he's, yeah. like, really questioning how is this going to happen if you don't provide. And God's just like, hey, do you see the stars? There's my answer. So you're referring to Genesis 15, like the, mm-hmm. the covenant that God makes right. with Abram. Uh, right before Genesis 15, I do want to talk about that, but right before that, there's this interesting dude, Melchizedek. Uh, Melchizedek ah. is a pretty big deal um, because he's like this mysterious figure. He pops up kind of out of nowhere. We'll hear about him much later on in Hebrews. Uh, but he is a priest and king that comes from Salem who represents God and blesses Abram. And Abram actually tithes his possessions to Melchizedek. So there's a couple interesting things here. One, Melchizedek knows God, like Melchizedek knows our God, which means Abram's not the only person who knows God at the time. Like we know that because we just saw that Job knows God. We see that Melchizedek knows God. So we have a picture of what God is doing, but God was obviously doing other things as well because Melchizedek knows who God is. Um, Also, with Melchizedek being from Salem, a lot of people believe that is a shortened version of Jerusalem. Um, and so you have a priest king from Jerusalem. Hopefully that like rings a couple bells in your head because Jesus is a priest king from mm-hmm. Jerusalem. So there are people that believe Melchizedek was in fact actually Jesus. Um, that he was like a, like a Christophany that Jesus shows up and blesses Abram. And that kind of is what brings like real depth to this promise of salvation. Um, because what we're going to start to, what we're going to start to trace is how God is going to redeem the world through the descendants of Abraham. So there's a there's a lot going on here with Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hebrews, uh, starting in chapter 5, will really flesh out a lot about Melchizedek. Um, but he's kind of a cool character. Mm-hmm. And then we get this covenant. And Jenny, you had some interesting comments about this covenant. <laughs> I just thought it was real weird. As I was saying, as I was reading it, it sounds like this weird, like, like witches brew <laughs> what he needed to do in order to like solidify this covenant with God. Um, but <laughs> I guess that's just like very foreign to us. So it seems kind of weird. It does seem like God is following some kind of, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, some kind of ritual kind of oath. Um, but what he's doing is he's striking a covenant with Abram. Mm-hmm. And that is like, a huge part of what we believe today because God is going to carry this out. Abram has no descendants. Uh, him and his wife are, becoming more and more old. So it's not natural that they would even have kids. And God's like, Hey, I'm going to bless you. Um, a lot of the promise. Let's see. Well, it says he's going to be blessed with like his offspring mm-hmm. and all this wonderful stuff. But then as after he gives these like offerings, if you will, mm-hmm. he goes into this deep sleep with, which seems to me to not be very celebratory because it's like all these terrible things are going to happen. 
to said offspring. Yeah, and we're going to what's happened. That's scary. So this is, this is what's interesting. This is what Jenny's referring to. Um, this is chapter 15, verse 13. The Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. So he's talking about Egypt. Right. So we'll see um, like a snapshot here. There's going to be a famine. Jacob's sons are going to go to Egypt. Joseph is going to be a king there, like a like a manager to the king. Mm -hmm. uh, he's going to care for the people. Eventually, the people will end up in slavery in Egypt. So this is what God's laying out to Abram already. And this is going to occur six to 800 years in the future. Uh, so I do think Abram hears it and is like, okay. Yeah, I know. Like, it <laughs> makes me feel like, oh, I would feel terrible. But look at verse 14. I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and yeah. afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Now, this was written most likely by Moses to the Hebrews to give them an idea of what their history is. Mm -hmm. So the original audience is actually the people walking out of um, Egypt. Egypt yeah. And so they would read over this or hear this and be like, oh, my word, like that's what we're doing right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. And so this is the promise that Abram receives. Uh, God is going to repeat that promise again. Another interesting verse, and this is a huge part of understanding the Old Testament. Uh, verse 16, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So here we have God telling Abram, hey, I have a, a land of promise for you, but you're not allowed to go there and stay there. Um, I mean, he's he's there right now, but like your, your descendants will not be allowed to stay there. Um, because the the people's sin of that area has not reached completion. So God is actually being gracious to the people who currently inhabit the land because he's continually giving them an opportunity to repent. Mm -hmm. So God is giving grace to several generations of these Amorites, ultimately knowing that they're going to become more and more sinful. Um, but it's impossible to read that and not see that God is gracious because God could just say, yeah, go in there right now, like take it over. And so you'll see throughout the Old Testament, God kind of playing this role of um, judge, basically, kind of weighing people's sin. And when sin becomes too much, then there's judgment. And so that's that's what's happening here. He's promising uh, land and possessions to Abram, but not until people actually deserve judgment. All right. So as we read over this, Jenny, uh, we see God's plan. We see what he's doing. Uh, he's actually laying out a lot. These are very foundational chapters. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think we can take from this? What's our part? I think we can take away that God keeps his promises that he gives to us. Just like Abram didn't necessarily see the end um, or know what was coming, but we can kind of look back and see that. Um, this foundational promise is super important for us. And so if there are things that are concerning to you in the future just know that god keeps the promises that he gives to us what's what's really cool about it is god's going to give this problem promise to abraham then he's going to give the same promise he's going to repeat it to isaac he's going to repeat it to jacob like we're going to see god repeat this promise over and over because god doesn't change mm -hmm. and he is faithful and he carries things out the way that he plans for them to do we just saw that in job right we just saw that god does what god does he's sovereign and so now we're going to see the sovereign God play out across this history of generations in Genesis. So I'm excited for this. Uh, I, I really do enjoy Genesis. I enjoy Exodus. Uh, so there's some good stuff ahead. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, 
Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to a place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At the time the Canaanites were in the land, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country of the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negeb. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman, beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say, She is my sister, so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him into the Negeb. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he journeyed on from the Negeb as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For all their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zor. 
This was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, and I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. In the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisar, Shardolomar, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Golem, these kings made war with Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, Shemebar, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor. And all these joined forces in the valley of Siddim, that is the Salt Sea. Twelve years after they served Shardolomor, but in the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Shardolomor and the kings who were with him came and defeated Rephaim and Ashtaroth Kenaram, the Zuzim in Ham, the Emim in Shevoth Kirathem, and the Horites in the hill country of Ser, as far as El Paran on the border of the wilderness. Then they turned back and came to En Mishphat, that is Kadesh, and defeated all the country of the Amalekites and also the Amorites who were dwelling in Hazan Tamar. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adama, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor, went out and they joined battle in the valley of Siddim with Shardalamar, king of Elam, Tidal, king of Goam, Armaphel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisar, four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddim was full of bitumen pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell into them, and the rest fled to the hill country. So the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah, and all their provisions, and went their way. They also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom, and his possessions, and went their way. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre, and the Amorite brother of Eshcol and Ahar. These were the allies of Abram. When Abram heard that the kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he divided his forces against them by night, and he, has, he and his servants, and defeated them and pursued them to Hobah, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions, and also brought back his kins, kinsman Lot with his possessions, and the women and the people. After his return from the defeat of Shurdalamar and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and of earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. 
But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. Let Aner, Eskel, and Mamre take their share. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven, the number of the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, you shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On the day that the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To, you, to your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenazites, the Commandites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girishites, and the Jebusites. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.